Starman comic and the Mark Shaw Manhunter comic from the late 80s, early 90s. We'll talk about every appearance of these two great characters. If you've never read them or haven't read them in a while, this may be a good time to explore these issues. Now, let's get started with our first comic. Hey, true believers, this is Aaron Moss, aka Brother Head, coming at you. Here we have episode 27 of the Starman Manhunter Venture Hour. <sighs> I don't know, guys. Do I need to change the title? Is it just the Starman Adventure Hour now? Because as we noticed last uh, episode, I ended Manhunter. Issue 24 was the last episode of Manhunter. Mark Shaw kind of quit for the time being a Manhunter. He does show up later on, so I'm still debating how I'm going to handle the future of this show. Because, again, the, the Mark Shaw Manhunter was the one I loved. That was the character I loved. I tried reading the Kate Spencer Manhunter, which came next. I couldn't get into it so much. My Kate Spencer came next. Or maybe it was the uh, the Zero Hour Manhunter. I forget now. i got to look and see. I read that Manhunter, but it, it wasn't Mark Shaw. I read that Man- Manhunter series because it was entitled Manhunter. And uh, as I've admitted before, I had an addiction. But uh, I don't know as well on a podcast about it. I hear great things about the Kate Shaw. I just couldn't get into it because, again, it wasn't Mark Shaw. I am the type, even when I was younger, that when I like something, I like what I like. And when they cancel for something else, the hell with it. Same thing with Starman once we get that far, I think. But, so I'm still debating, again, this is all me talking with you guys. I I don't know what I'm doing yet. Uh, For the time being, I'm going to concentrate on the Starman portion of the show. And to make it an hour long, I'm going to have the Copa Comics comic rack. Because, again, I've been running about an hour and a half with all these episodes. So, all these different segments. So maybe I'll keep it down to about an hour now. So anyway, this is a long way of saying welcome back to episode 27 of the Starman Adventurer. That's where we started at. Anyways, uh, this month we're looking at Starman issue 22. And as I said earlier, the Coppa Comic comic rack for March of 1990. So let's go ahead and get started with our first uh, issue. Our only issue. Starman 22. Cover date of 1990. The on-sale date was March of 20, March of 27, March the 27th 
1990. The cover price was a buck. The title of this one was called Stories from the Land of Spirits. Uh, the synopsis and the credits, which I'm about ready to read, all came from Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Mike has a great site. Uh, most of his podcasters use it. Thank you very much, Mike. Uh, let's go on to get this issue. This issue was written, as usual, by Roger Stern, our normal penciler of Tom Lyle, inker Scott Hanna, letterer Robert M. Pignana, colorist Carl Gafford, and edited by Mike Brian Michael Augustine. The cover was done by Tom Lyle. Our synopsis, Starman gets away from civilization for a few months to find himself. While walking in the desert, he comes stumbling upon a movie being filmed. The director, the director, the director wants him to help out as a stuntman, but Will turns down the offer. Later, he reconsiders after stopping a holdup at a local diner. Will helps complete the movie stunts. He then accepts the director's offer to explore further opportunities in Hollywood. The end. So it looks like uh, Starman at this point is going to become a book about a, a Hollywood stuntman. Yeah, it'd be a really good TV show, I think, about a Hollywood stuntman. Uh, the Fall Dude or something like that. That'd be a good show. <laughs> Anyways, enough of me clowning around. Let's go ahead and get into this issue. Uh, I'm going to pull this up on my... Because, again, I read all these on my computer because I've got these all in my garage in my long box. But at this point, I'm getting old and it's hard to read, so... Let's take a look at my computer where I can zoom things in and get a closer look. Starman 22. Uh, as I normally do, I'm going to start with the cover. The cover we show Will Payton. Because he's not in a Starman costume, he's got a hat on, his backpack, his regular clothes. His hands are glowing. And off in the distance, we see Coons. That's how I'm pronouncing it. Uh, shooting and beating up civilians. And at the very bottom, it says Invasion. Redux. Redo? Redux. I can't remember how it's that word. Invasion redone. <laughs> Question mark, exclamation mark. Um, again, I guess this could be a, a, an invasion storyline, but we'll get into that. So we start out, you know, we get our cover page, our cover page, our uh, splash page, stories from the land of spirits, and we see Deadline shooting Starman saying, Starman, again in the Starman text, you're dead. And we get Deadline kind of giving a little monologue how he used to have another name uh, before an accident that nearly killed him and activated a special gene, which uh, I believe is coming across from the Invasion storyline, speaking of which. And we see Deadline's got his hand wrapped up and he's got a bunch of dead Starmans laying around him. And again, he's kind of giving his uh, a monologue about what happened, kind of catching us up where he's at. He thought he was a small-time hitman. Now he's the best, the top of his line. Uh, but no one has to pay him to go after Starman because Starman interfered in a job, made it harder for me to complete a kill. And again, we covered that a couple months ago here on uh, this very show where he's trying to kill a guy. He eventually did it, but it took him a little while because Starman kept interfering. And here on page three... We get uh, Deadline talking to Dr. Moon. Dr. Moon comes from the Batman comics. I think that's where he first appeared. Uh, he was a big Batman villain. 
He he's the uh, the doctor for assassins and the bad guys, if you will. And Deadline standing around what one, two, three, four again. As my buddy Shag says, this has turned into the Counting Starman podcast. <laughs> we get Deadline standing around four different uh, Starmans laying there with holes in them as he shot them. And they're talking. Again, we a little talk. And we find out that basically Dr. Moon's kind of helped heal him up. Dr. Moon's investing in him, helping him so he can kill Starman. And again, we get a little bit... Again, this is kind of a recap for previous issues that why Deadline has a hatred for Starman. Starman's kind of vanished, but again, they're not sure if he really has or it's false reports. Dr. Moon comments that since Starman can change his appearance, uh, finding, finding him could be quite a challenge. I like this. He's like, with such a power, he could be anyone. And then we cut to uh, Will Payton, a.k.a. Starman, He's got his beard, he's got his hat, his coat, his uh, backpack as he's wandering around. As we let him laugh this time, he talks about how he doesn't need any water. Because as we've covered in the last few episodes, he's not really human at this point. He's, he's a human star. He doesn't need to eat, drink, breathe, or any of that stuff. But and he, again, he, and that's one thing I like about Starman. He's, I wouldn't say an everyman hero because, again, he's no longer human. But his thought process, he still worries about being human. He says he has a full canteen. He takes a swig every few days. Just feel the sweet wetness wash over his lips and tongue. And again, Roger Stern does a great job on the dialogue on this book. Even the inner monologue of Starman, or Will, as he's walking through the the, uh, southwest desert... He really needs food, but he packs his favorite trail mix. He doesn't want to forget the taste. He's walking. He can fly, but he's doing most of the journeys on foot just because he doesn't want to miss out or doesn't want to lose that sensation. And that's one thing. Again, I love Starman for that, the fact that he's worrying about losing his touch of humanity. Some characters would, you know, I don't need to walk. I don't need to eat. I don't need to breathe. Heck, I'm a god. But Starman, again, kind of like Dr. Manhattan from The Watchmen. But Starman worry, uh, Starman, Will Payton worries about all that. And while he does have all these terrific powers, he, he can do almost anything. Well, not almost anything, but that's Firestorm. <laughs> but while he does have all these fantastic powers, he doesn't need to eat or breathe. He can let loose these magnificent forces. He's worries about humanity, and that's one thing that makes Starman a great character, in my opinion. That's why I love Will Payton, I think. And again, so as he walks along, he gets to the edge of a cliff, and he flies off. And again, I thought, especially here a couple months ago, me and the family went to Disneyland, and we went to the, I forget the exact name of it now, at this point. You used to call it Soren over California, but I think they just changed it to Soren. Where he's sitting there, if you've never been to Disneyland... I'm not sure if Disney World has the same ride or not, but it's a California Adventures, actually. Uh, you sit in the seats, and this uh, it's like a long seat with a bunch of, bunch of people to sit on, and it lifts you up in front of this huge like IMAX screen, and it's like you're flying over different parts of the country. Uh, you go over the beaches, the ocean, uh, deserts, different parts of the country. And it's such a great ride. It makes you feel like you're flying. 
uh, since I've been there last a couple months ago, back in May, uh, I've often thought about how it would be such a cool power to have the power of flight. You fly over the ocean, take your shoes off, put your feet drag in the water, the oceans, you're flying over the ocean. You ride over the African African plains and see all the animals. It'd be a great power. But anyway, so we got Will walking across the desert. He comes to a cliff. He just flies where he needs to go. And again, he says, you know, he hasn't flown much in the past weeks. He prefers to walk and think. And walking, uh, it takes a little more energy. But again, Will doesn't really have that problem. He doesn't tire like me and you do. And as he says here, walking, he allows him to keep his feet on the ground. And he can see things closer to the ground. And as he says that, he sees a turtle that's on his back. So he flips it over to help him out. So he can go on his way. And like I say, Will is a, uh, not necessarily over every man, but he's a, uh, he's a great person. He's, he doesn't want to lose humanity, as I talked about earlier. And so as he's, you know, like I say, he's walking most of the time so he doesn't lose sight of the ordinary person, I guess you could say. And he sits as he reads in his book, uh, what's it called, A Leg to Stand. Assuming on. It's by Dr. Sachs. And again, it makes him question his own existence. And he says he has a lot to learn. I guess the doctor lost his legs. And Will Payton's learning to reuse his whole body. Because as we talked about in previous episodes, if he doesn't think about it, he doesn't have to smell. So he doesn't smell something burning. He doesn't have to breathe. He, doesn't, he loses all that makes, that makes you human. And he's relearning all that. And he, a lot of times he has to think about think about what he's he's using, what he's doing, so he doesn't become more than human, if you will. And I like here on page, again, I, as I talk about every episode, I love the art. Tom Lyle, you are a uh, one of the gods of... Again, I don't hear Tom Lyle's name mentioned very much, but on Starman, he does a fantastic job, and I, I love his artwork on Starman. I think he does a great job. He's a great artist. He doesn't get enough love, in, in my humble opinion. But here on page six, it's getting darker, so Starman's writing, in, writing his journal, reading the book. And as he's doing so, he, his face is glowing to give him a light to read. Also on top of page seven, his face is lit up, and I love the way his face is lit up to give him some lights. It's just great. And again, he's kind of thinking back about his sister. And again, we have a nice segue on his tough page seven. Uh, he's like, hello, Jackrabbit. It's too bad my sister Jane isn't here. I know she'd love to meet you. And then he's thinking, Jane's been, a, Jane's been on my mind a lot the past few weeks. She was a little shocked after the mess in Tucson, especially when I gave her the Starbucks costume. I should have found a better way to handle it. I wonder how things are back home. And we segue from Will Payton with the beard and the hat and all that to a younger Will Payton in a suit with long hair, just a regular Will Payton. And his mom's like, where are you, Willie? Is this my punishment for throwing you out of the house? Where are you wondering where you are? What's happened to you? And Jane comes in. They talk a little bit. And Jane basically explains, because again, if you weren't paying attention to the last, if you weren't here the last few episodes, 
uh, Will found his long lost father, who was kind of a drifter, he ran out on the family. And when Will said he's been doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that, his dad's like, uh, don't be like me, son, you know, settle down, don't be a disappointment. And at that point, being compared to his, in quotes, deadbeat father, Will lost it. And, you know, I'm nothing like you, old man. I'm star, man. I'm a hero. I do what I can do. And so he told his dad who he really is. And his mom found out that his dad found out before she did. Because, again, Will Smith is keeping the secret hero identity, which, as I've talked about before, I love the whole secret hero identity. I hate, hate it when they don't do the identity thing, when everyone knows who the character is. I, I'm an old school comic book fan. I love the super, super, superhero identity. So again, Will was keeping that from his mom. He told his sister. She helped him come up to Starman. But he's keeping it from mom. He told his dad in a moment of rage. And then his mom found out, and she didn't wait to get any clarification what happened. She got upset that the deadbeat dad who left when he was a kid found out before she did. So she kicked him out. Uh, Jane's kind of explaining what happened, and she's kind of recapping what's happened the last few, few issues of the series. And as you know, her mom's like, uh, I love the doc. I, get, I keep saying, Roger Stern, I keep whacking his car. He did a great job in the dialogue here. Uh, his mom, his mom's saying that, you know, he told your father, man who bandits who he is. And Jane's like, mom, don't you know why he told dad? Did you even try to let him explain? His mom's like, what's to explain? He obviously trusted your father more than me. So again, his mom jumped to conclusion, conclusions. And again, that happens in real life. People hear something or part of a story. They fill in the, the missing parts of their own mind. They jump to conclusions. And that leads to bigger issues. So again, this is very lifelike, the way Roger's writing this. Uh, Roger Stern, you did a magnificent job. I'd love to talk about this sometime. But... And so Jane's like, no, Mom, it wasn't that way at all. Will told me what happened. And again, she kind of recaps what I just told you happened a few issues ago. They were so mad. <laughs> I like this. As she's talking, she's like, we'll regret it later. But at the time, he was just so mad. And he and his mom's like, he doesn't get his temper for anyone strange. <laughs> and so again, they kind of cap, they kind of... Uh, mash it out here and, and Will's mom realizes she kind of jumped the gun if you will threw him out prematurely and so she's feeling bad about what happened how she's missing her son and again I haven't had this issue with my sons I know back when they were a bit younger they were my oldest son was out of high school by a year my youngest son was still in high school at the time they got mad at me and left, and I didn't talk to them for a few months because they wouldn't talk to me. Uh, again, I, I know how Will's mom is feeling here. The son you love, no matter what happens, and it's not true for everybody because there are some jerk and a-hole parents out there, a-hole kids, but no matter what happens, if you're a good parent, I consider myself, no matter how much of a jerk I may be, a good parent, when your kids aren't around, you're, you're going to miss them, especially if things weren't if you didn't leave things in a, in a good manner when you separated, if you will. So, again, I can feel where Jane's mom's coming from. Jane's mom. Uh, Will's mom's coming from. I didn't kick the kids out in my instance, but, again, they left. 
without communicating to me. So I miss them. So I, I can definitely feel... Well, what's my name? Mary? Where Will's mom, if she's coming from, I, I feel for her. And again, as I've talked about previously, reading these comics now, 20, 30 years later, when I first read these, I was a late teenager, 18, 19, 20, 21, that range. I didn't have a family. I didn't have a wife or ex-wife or kids or any of that stuff. It was me by myself. I had my parents. But I didn't pet as much thought into a lot of this, you know, the parents, child, or, uh, yeah, parent-child relationship as I do now, being a father, having grown children, having young children. <sighs> oh, maybe it's just me. What do you guys think? But to me, it makes me reevaluate these stories. Again, I love these stories when Roger Stern originally did them. Reread them. Rereading them many years later, I still love them because, again... Roger puts a lot of heart into these stories. Uh, again, as, as I've talked about, as a father, not having touch with your kids for a period of time, no matter how long it is, it's been three or four months, three, like three months here or so, I can feel the pain she's going through. So it's just, yeah, I think he did a great job. Between, between him and Tom Lyle doing the artwork, it lets you know where the characters are at. It's just great. But here on page 10, we get Will uh, back out in the the desert walking around. And I like, the again, the dialogue as I keep talking about. Such a beautiful land. Beautiful and lonely. It makes you realize how small any man is. Even a star man. And he sees a helicopter about ready to crash. So he, it's a army helicopter, so he runs over to find out what's going on. And he see, basically sees the cover. Uh, he sees the coons fighting some soldiers. We get some people that are captured. And again, they, these coons are saying they're going to use these people as, uh, as food. So Will's like, that does it. Hey, coon. Like, well, what the, what the heck? You want to fight? Fine, I'll give you a fight. And he doesn't change his star man because again, he, lost, he left his caution with, his Jane, with Jane. But he leaps over and just socks one of them. And he knocks one down. He's like, well, I knocked his head loose. And one of the guard, one of the, uh, the coons is like, hey, who the hell do you think you are? You're a curly, you stupid son of a... And uh, Will's like, this is crazy. It doesn't make any sense. And the coon breaks his gun over Will Payton. And we hear someone in the background, cut, cut. And at this point, as I talked about in the synopsis, Will realizes he's in the middle of a, moody, a movie being filmed. Cut, cut, stop the action. What's going on? Where did he come from? <laughs> and Will gets a little upset because, again, it's been months since he's been around anybody. And he's he's hurt this guy after, you know, months of not being around humans. He sees humans, in quotes, and he hurts one. But again, I mean, if you don't have any signs up saying it's a movie, I'm surprised something like this has happened more often in the DC universe. <laughs> and again, uh, the director's like, hey, you, with the beard. What's your name? And Will's like, uh, beard will do. And so he's there talking, and the director, you know, he... And nobody says about the director. He's got a, an odd, almost handlebar mustache, but not quite. 
And so the director's like, hey, we could use you around here. And Will's like, you don't want me around. I'm just trouble. So he kind of flies off. And the director runs after him and loses him. So Starman's flying. He's like, maybe I should keep flying west, out to sea. But if I keep running, I'll never have a life even halfway normal. And that's Will's biggest thing is he wants to have a normal life. Even though he's got these powers of a god, he doesn't need to eat or breathe, as we talked about earlier. He wants to be human. Uh, so he goes into this little diner, and as he's there, he's getting robbed. Because, again, he's a superhero. And that's what happens when you're in an area. If there's going to be any crime, it's going to happen where you're at. It's just that's, that's the law of comic book nature. And, again, Will thinks back to here an issue, an issue or episode ago or so where uh, he tried to protect the woman her husband tried to shoot him and exploded on him and hurting him or killing him. But again, he can't sit there and let the guy rob the place. But he's a visioning wolf. The guy shoots and bounces off and kills her. So again, Will's kind of, as a hero, he's uh, kind of a little indecisive because again, a bad experience in the past. He doesn't want to do the wrong thing. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Let's go back to page 16, where he comes to this little diner. He gets some chili to eat. And uh, the lady, the gal, the old lady at the counter is like, something wrong with the chili? He's like, no, why? But you're sniffing. I'm afraid it gone bad. Like, not at all. In fact, it smells great. <sighs> I never want to feel an aroma like this. And she's walking away. Well, it takes all kinds. Because, yeah, as I talked about, Will has to consciously think about using his, his, his not powers, but his uh, human abilities, smells, tastes, and all that. And so he does whatever he can. And uh, again, I, I don't think much about this. I don't think any of us really does. But when you have your, your sense of taste and smell and hearing and all this, you don't really think about what would happen if you lost that touch of smell. Touch of smell? Sense of smell. S the, the sense of taste. If you were to lose that and didn't need to do any of that, and you could actually, if you willed it and thought about it, you could actually smell again or taste again, how precious that is and how much thought you would give that. So I love the way it's written. Uh, but we go back to Will Payton in the present time as I jumped ahead. And this guy is going to rob the place, smacks the old lady, knocks her aside. And Will's like, just look away for a second, creep. That's all I need. And Will quickly zooms in front of the guy, uh, takes the guy's arm, and just you know, grabs his wrist, makes him drop the gun and the money. And uh, <laughs> Will, here on page 18, he's like, you all right, ma'am? Probably a shire tomorrow, but I am to give him a lot worse. And she's like, call me Granny Willie. And she walks to like a crowbar. She kind of beats the living crap out of this guy. But Will's like, oh. Let me see that. He's like, I'll trade you. She gives him the, he gives her the gun, takes the crowbar, and he frisks him, make sure he doesn't have any. Again, he learned his lesson, which is a good thing for a superhero to learn when you make a mistake. Again, mistake in quotes. You learn from that, and so he, he learned to frisk the guy, and he used a crowbar to tie the guy's hands and feet up to keep him there until he called the police. And the old lady offers him some pie, wants to give him something for helping out. And I like this, like, maybe some other time. I have to see a man about an invasion. So he goes back. And again, uh, 
the guy has a cap on that says it's Invasion, the movie. I wonder if Siskoid uh, knows that they got this movie going on. I don't think they covered this uh, over there on the Invasion podcast. Again, going to other podcasts, check out the Invasion podcast. It's a great show. It's over with now. They're getting ready to do the Zero Hour Strikes. In fact, I think their other one was called Invasion Strikes. Great podcast. Check it out. But they're going to restart the zero hour strikes. I'll probably play that promo during the uh, the break. But uh, but yeah, so they're filming a movie about the invasion, and uh, Will steps in as a, a stuntman. And again, since he's stronger and more powerful, they can do a lot more stunts than they would have been able to do normally. Cheaper, quicker, easier. So they get the movie done, and the issue ends with uh, the director taking Will. You know, he wants Will to be in more movies. Again, he thinks Will will be a great stuntman with his superhuman strength, superhuman, superhuman durability. Makes it a lot easier to do movies. And like here, it's, they're in this craft, which uh, they call a... Uh, Molar, M-O-L-L-E-R, 400. It's a vertical takeoff and landing car plane thing. Will thought it was a prop. I had to look it up. At the time, I thought it was imaginary. I've looked it up, rereading this issue, and it's actually a real a real vehicle. You, you can't buy it on the street, but yeah, it's an experimental vehicle they're working on. Uh, this is a pre-production model. Uh, again, I thought it was fake, but it is real. There is such a thing as a Mueller 400, which is a, a car-type vehicle that has vertical takeoff. It can fly. Um, if anyone out there in the Mueller production or whatever has one to spare, if you want to give me one, I wouldn't mind taking it. be really cool. But again, he wants, to start, he wants to make Will a star. And our issue ends with our hero zooming off into the sunset in a flying car which I think is a great ending scene. Uh, next issue is Life in the Fast Lane. Again, as I said, great artwork, great writing. I, I love the work done on this book. Again, I think Will Payton is a great character. Uh, again, he doesn't do things just to do it. He thinks about things. He, he's always, and that's part of Will's problem is he's always thinking about things. Uh, that's a great job. Anyways, uh, that's this issue. It's been a little over a half hour mark. I'm going to put you guys on hold for a minute. I'm going to play some promos. Uh, one of them will probably be for the Zero Hour Strikes promo. If I have it, I may play the Invasion one also. Anyway, sit back, listen to some promos, and we'll be back in just a few moments with Copper Comics, Comic Crack. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. The time is out of joint. The time is out of joint. The time is out of joint. The year is 1994 or 1944 or maybe 2994. Time is under threat and history is falling apart. Who will survive this crisis? And how will history be changed for those that do? 
Zero Hour Strikes takes you back to that DC Comics crossover and covers the entire story, issue by issue, tie-in by tie-in, as the DC Universe goes down to zero. Join Bass and Siskoid at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on iTunes, Zero Hour Strikes, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Remember, Legion. The world's strongest hero. The warrior from a hidden island. The master of super speed. The wielder of the weapon from beyond the stars. The champion of the seven seas. They are the only ones standing before a world beyond the brink of collapse. Their mission, abolish war and crime, eliminate poverty and hunger, clean the environment, cure disease, even stop death itself. They promise within a year to make the world a utopia, no matter how many lines they might need to cross. Coming soon to the Pulp to Pixel Network, the Squadron Supreme Cast, an exploration of Mark Gruenwald's epic 1985 Squadron Supreme miniseries, a look at the heroes, the villains, the fine lines separating them, and how this miniseries continues to play an influence in mainstream superhero comics. are receiving a transmission from the rod pod upload pending stand by for soundtrack transfer i am maggie and i am john and we are trapped hurtling through space in a ship shaped like rodimus's head the ship for reasons we haven't been able to determine contains the entire run of the idw transformers phase two comic which chronicle the events following the end of the war between the Autobots and Decepticons. So we figure we may as well read them all in order and report our findings to you. Stand by. Stand by. Upload complete now. Rod Pod. Look for us at marriedwcomics.libsyn.com, at iTunes, at Stitcher, or wherever good podcasts can be found. So, uh, till all are one. Till all are one. Welcome back to Copy Comics Comic Rack. This month, of course, we're looking at books that were on sale March of 1990. Again, these weren't all the books that were on sale. These were just ones that jumped out at me or something that means something to me. We're going to start out with Action Comics 652. Uh, this is the Day of the Kryptonian Man Part 6, which I think was like one of the last parts of it. Again, this is the, the Eradicator... Superman's been exiled to space. Himself, of course, he exiled himself. He found the Eradicator, returned it to Earth. It caused some problems. And now it's trying to turn Superman into a, a true, in quotes, Kryptonian. Great storyline. I love this when it came out. Uh, moving on from there, 
Uh, we have The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. That was based on a movie with, uh, oh, what's his name? Hey, yo, what's going on? Andrew Dice Clay, that's his name. Andrew Dice Clay. I, I want to say I picked up one of these editions, but I don't remember offhand. Uh, Adventures of Superman 466. Uh, this introduces a Fantastic Four uh, ripoff. It was a, uh, let me see here real quick. Ken Kenshaw, his wife Terry Henshaw, and some other friend. I think it was, let me see, Jim Morgan, and I think Steven was the other one. It's basically, it's a Fantastic Four ripoff that's going to come back into play later on with Superman. For those that don't know, the, the main guy in this, Hank Henshaw, eventually becomes the cyborg Superman. This was their first appearance. The I think this was their first appearance. Let me look here. Uh, no, actually, they first appeared in Adventures of Superman. Was that their first one? I'm just looking through uh, Mike's Amazing World of Comics where I'm getting this information. No, they've been around for a couple of issues. So, again, the Henshaws and their friends, they were in space. The Eradicator was... The Superman just threw into the sun to get rid of. Caused these four people, these astronauts, to mutate. Uh, very much in the Fantastic Four sense. But unlike Fantastic Fours, where they all became heroes, uh, three of them died. Terry... Jim and Steven all died. Hank Kenshaw eventually became a villain. Great book. Again, you think these were throwaway characters, but again, they come back into play later on. Uh, and I missed it when I first talked about Action Comics. For on Superman at this time, check out the From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. I love that show. Uh, it's been very sporadic recently, but it's a great show. I love it. Uh, then we move on. We have Amazing Spider-Man 232. Uh, this had Venom in it. Written by David Michelini. Written art pencils by some guy named Eric Larson. He never does anything interesting again. <laughs> uh, again, Amazing Spider-Man. I was reading it this time. Great book. Animal Man 23. This was, uh, again, Animal Man. It was being written by Grant Morrison. A great book. I'm going to cover this somewhere at some point in the future. Not sure it's on Head Speaks or on its own show, but I will be covering this. This was a great storyline. Superman was traveling through time trying to save his family. Uh, it got very weird at the end, but I really enjoyed it. So stay tuned on the Headcast Network for Animal Man at some point. At least the first two years of it. The first issue through the 24th issue. Uh, we had a bunch of Archie books. Atlantis Chronicles number two. I had this, but I don't remember... I don't remember very much of it. Uh, it was a pre-Aquaman book telling the origins of Atlantis, if you will. Avengers 317, guest starring Spider-Man. And I think the cover shows Spider-Man being shocked. And it says, guest starring Amazing Spider-Man. But not for long. This would be written by John Byrne. Great title. Uh, yeah, I was buying it at this point. Avengers, West, uh, Avengers Spotlight 32. This had Hawkeye and U.S. Agent. Avengers Spotlight with Solo Tales of Avengers characters. This may have been, as I referred to, a Billy book. Avengers West Coast 58. I was buying this book at the time. Again, being written by Fabian Nicasia. Uh, I was enjoying this book at the time. Avengers West Coast, great book. Uh, moving on, Batman 447. This was the NKV Demon. 
which was a kind of a, a sequel, if you will, to the KGB Beast. Yes, I was buying Batman at the time. I had an addiction. I was buying most of these DC and Marvel books. Uh, moving on from there, there were some Betty books. I didn't buy any of those. Uh, Camp Candy. I don't think I bought this one, but I mentioned it was a Marvel comics book. It was a John Candy. It was a cartoon. Uh, John Candy's character was a, a, at a camp. Uh, mm. Captain America 370. This was uh, the Red Skull being mar- written by uh, Mark Grunewald. A uh, great era of Captain America, if you ask me. Uh, Captain Adam number 40. Uh, looking at Mike's Amazing World of Comics, it doesn't tell me a lot about it. I guess the ghost was appearing in this one. Uh, the comment says this takes place on April 13th through 14th of 1990. And that was the cover date. It was April 1990. Again, for more on Captain Adam, check out the blue, no, the silver and gold podcast by Buddy J. Jones. That was a great book. I was, I think I was buying that one at that point. Moving on from there, Checkmate number 27. This was, uh, I covered this one. Did I? No, not yet. I've gotten this far over on my uh, Task Force X podcast. So again, if you're watching that show, I'm not going to say very much about it. Written by Paul Kupperberg. Uh, this one here involves Harry Stein and his children. I've been talking about that over on Task Force X. This kind of dovetails into here. Definitely check this out. Uh, one ish, one book I forgot to mention, The Butcher Number One. Uh, this was written by Mike Barron. I really wanted to like The Butcher. I read some like The Green Arrow, Butcher, and someone else teaming up. I forget where it was at now. I don't remember if I bought this book or not, though. I don't remember. Huh. But if I had mentioned it. Uh, moving on from there, I talked about Checkmate. There's some Classic Illustrated. I uh, didn't buy those. Count Ducula, I didn't buy that, but I remember the cartoon. It was HBO at the time. Daredevil 280. I may have been buying Daredevil this time. I'm not sure when I started this one. Uh, this was being written by Ann Nassetti, I believe it is. Uh, moving on from there, Detective Comics 613. Uh, this was Batman. Uh, I was buying the book at the time, but the villain was Tony Cruden. Again, and uh, I don't remember this one offhand. Again, I forgot to mention again earlier, for more on Batman, check out the, the Nightcast podcast when it comes out by a uh, friend of the show, Ryan Daly and Chris Franklin. Also, uh, one of the godfathers of the show, Michael Bailey and uh, Andrew Leyland. They have an Overlook Dark Knight podcast where they look at different Batman books. Check those out. Great shows all around. Moving on, Dr. Fate 16. Uh, this was... Written by J.M.D. Mateus. This looks like it reverted back to the male uh, Dr. Fate. Just looking at Mike's Amazing World here. Dr. Fate 16. Okay, I guess Linda shares a story. So this is a kind of a flashback issue. Okay. And I may cover that somewhere. Maybe I love that series. That was a great series, Dr. Fate. Uh, if anyone's doing a podcast, let me know. Uh, Doom Patrol 32. This was the Grant Morrison era. Uh, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed what uh, Paul Kupperberg, writer checkmate, uh, was doing before this a lot better. Doom Patrol, it was interesting at this point when Grant Morrison was writing it. Later writers would kind of try to imitate Grant. 
I don't think they did such a great job, in my opinion. Uh, moving on from there, let me take a look here. What else was there? El Diablo food number nine. This is a different El Diablo than it showed up in the Suicide Squad movie. Didn't read that one offhand. Excalibur 22. At one time, this was a Billy book. I eventually started buying it. Uh, this was part of the cross-time caper where they were crossing time and dimensions and stuff. Fantastic Four 340. Uh, this was written by Walt Simonson. Walt, art and art and art. Writing and art by Walt Simonson. That was a little hard to get out. Moving on, Firestorm 97. Uh, that is near the end of the Firestorm run. Uh, this was written by John Ostrander. This was getting kind of odd for me. I still read it because I love Firestorm. I love John Ostrander, but eh. not my most favorite at this point. Again, for more on Firestorm, check out the Fire and Water podcast. They occasionally cover Firestorm. Uh, the Flash 38. This one shows Flash on TV. He's trying to sell his services or something. Again, I was reading Flash at this time. It was a great story. In my opinion, written by William Messner Lobes. Um, G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, number 100. Great cover. I posted this elsewhere. It's Cobra Commander in the Hood. He's saying, I'm back. Of course, written by Larry Hama. Uh, Cobra Commander at this point, uh, he was going to retire as Cobra Commander because he reunited with his son. Uh, Fred Seven, one of the, the CGs, the, the Crimson Guardsman, shot him in the back. Doned the Cobra armor he'd made and became Cobra Commander. Uh, Cobra Commander actually wasn't dead, dug himself out of the grave. And returned to take revenge on all those that have wronged him. Great book. I love G.I. Joe, apparently, because I do a podcast on it. For more on G.I. Joe, check out G.I. Joe, a Royal American Headcast, right here on the Headcast Network. Also this month was Ghostbuster, Ghostbuster, Ghost Rider number one, written by Howard Mackey. Uh, again, I remember picking up this book. I think this was the first of, uh, oh, darn, I can't remember the guy's name now. Uh, the second Ghost Rider. That was a great book. I love that. Uh, Green Arrow number 31 was out. That was being written by Mark Grell. Uh, I, I love, was loving this book at the time. This may have been a Billy book. I eventually started picking up my own, possibly. Green Arrow number three. Green Lantern, Emerald Dawn number six. This is kind of retelling the Green Lantern origins for the new uh, people. Uh, new telling of it. I enjoyed that. Hawk and Dove number 12. Uh, this was Hawk and Dove and the New Titans battling mean machines. Again, I plan on covering Hawk and Dove at some point. Probably on its own show. Keep listening to the Headcast Network for that. Hunter number 14. Incredible Hulk 369. This was being written by Peter David. Art by Dale Kwan. I think this was before I started buying it. Great title, though. Peter David. Great writer. Uh, Just League of America. I'm sorry. Just League of America. No of. Just League of America 38. Being written by Keith Giffen. Art by uh, Jane DeMatteis. Was loving this book. Also this month was Just League Europe. Or no. Let me see where... Oh, there I am. Got ahead of myself. Just League Europe, number 13. Uh, this, again, being written by Giffen and DeMatteis. Again, for more on Just League Europe and Just League America, check out the JLI Bwahaha podcast, my friend and godfather of the show, 
The Irredeemable Shag. Uh, Legion 90, number 15. Uh, love the Legion book. That was a great book being written by Alan Grant. I love the Legion. That was L-E-G-I-O-N. And every year it changed. This year was in the 90s, so it was Legion 90. Great book. Uh, Legends of the Dark Knight 6. This was the second story arc, Girth, Gothic. Legends of the Dark Knight at this point was kind of telling out of continuity Batman stories. Legion of Superheroes number 7. This, is, again, was written by Giffen and also Mary, Tom and Mary Beerbomb. Beerbomb? Beerbomb? This is also known as the Five-Year Legion. Five-Year five year Later Legion. It was more grim and gritty. Legion of Superheroes, I picked up this one. Uh, moving on, there's Mark Spector Moon Knight number 14. I was buying that one. Uh, Marvel Comics Presents, I picked that up on and off. Marvel, Com- Marvel Superheroes Spring Special. That had a handful of different stories in it. I remember picking up that one. Marvel Tells featuring Spider-Man. Again, these were Spider-Man reprints. I didn't pick this one up, but I remember I read a lot of these from my friend Peter Pastor. A great guy. Men in Black number three. I never read this, but I love the movies. I don't know how much they do with each other. I haven't actually read this book. I may have to look at this. Hmm. Mighty Four, Thor 17. Miracle Man. I didn't read any of these, but I've heard a lot about it. Maybe check that out. Mr. Miracle number 15. Again, as I talked about elsewhere, Mr. Miracle was a great book. I loved it. Namor, the Submariner number two. Number two. I was doing that one. New Gods 15. The New Mutants 89. Uh, this is like 11 issues before it ended. This is being written by J- Louis Simonson and some hack named Rob Liefeld. Liefeld? Liefeld. How do you pronounce his last name? He never made anything of himself. He, he dried up after this. <laughs> uh, the New Titans number 66. This we show Raven kissing somebody on the cover. Uh, oh, it's some guy named Eric Forster. Um, again, I love the Teen Titans. I keep saying this, but another book I want to cover somewhere at some point, either on its own show or on Head Speaks. This was written Marv Wolfman, penciled by George Perez. A magnificent duel. Love this book. Moving on from there, we have Nick Fury, Agent the Shield. If man, I'm ever picking up those. Punisher 33, Punisher Magazine number 10, Punisher War Journal 18. I'm going to pick up the magazine, but picked up the other two books. Was enjoying the Punisher. Quasar number 10. Uh, this has written by Mark Grunewald. It's got Quasar on the cover fighting somebody. I can't make out her name offhand. I was picking up Quasar. Again, if they're still doing it for more on Quasar, pick out, uh, listen to the Quasar, uh, what is it, the Quantum Cast. Friend of the show, Gene Hendricks. And Adam Worth. Great show, great book. Check them both out. The Question 36. I read this one on and off. It wasn't bad. Written by Dennis O'Neill. Uh, some Richie Rich comics. I didn't read these necessarily, but as I mentioned elsewhere, uh, Richie Rich is a character from my past uh, that I read a lot of Richie Rich comics at my... Uh, a friend of my grandmother's name was Lila. She used to watch me and my brother when we were younger at times. And she had a bunch of Richie Rich, a bunch of Harvey-type comics. Richie Rich, Casper, things like that. So I read a lot of that. So I, I've got a soft spot for Richie Rich, Archie, and all of them. Robocop number three, The Saga of the Original Human Torch by Roy Thomas. Again, he loved those Golden Age characters. This kind of retells the Human Torch's origins and stories. 
Sensational She-Hulk 15, Silver Surfer 15, Spectacular Spider-Man 167, uh, where Spider-Man was fighting the Beatle, written by Magnificent Jerry Conway. I have to mention that because of Jerry Conway. Uh, Star Trek number 8, Next Generation number 8, a little book called Starman number 22. Hmm. Never heard of that one. <laughs> Suicide, Suicide, Suicide Squad 40, uh, guest starring Batman, Mander Waller's in jail, part of the, the first part of the Phoenix Gambit. I will be that at some point in the future over my Task Force X podcast. Yes, more on Suicide Squad. Check out Task Force X. Superboy number four. This Again, this was based on the TV show. Didn't really read this one. Uh, Superman 43. Again, I was reading this one. Again, as I taught, this was written by Jerry Ordway and also penciled. Great writer, great artist. Check out, again, from Crisis to Crisis. Swamp Thing 80, or 95. I think I was picking this up at the time. Swamp Thing, star of the DC TV series, uh, the DC streaming service. Watched the first couple episodes, loved it. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Adventures number one. This was based on the Archie, or this was from Archie Comics. It was based on the cartoon, which I was loving. I think, or maybe this was, let me see. Oh, no, I'm sorry. This was the movie. This was based on the movie that came out around this time. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Adventures based on the cartoon was on issue 11. Okay, I'm with it. I'm picking up what you're laying down. Time Masters number four. Love this book, Rip Hunter. This is kind of re-looking at time mas- uh, time travel in the post-crisis DC universe. Love that book. I've said before, I'll say it again. I may cover this at some point. Transformers 66. Uh, again, I was loving Transformers. Uh, check out the uh, the Longbox Crusade has a Transformers podcast. Check that out. Uncanny X-Men 261. Uh, this was a Billy book originally, and I started picking it up at some point. I forget when. Uh, moving on from there, Web of Spider-Man 64. Again, written by Jerry Conway. I was buying it. It was Jerry Conway. It was great. Uh, what If number three. This one was What If the X-Men had become... What If Professor X of the X-Men had become Juggernaut? By Kurt, this issue was written by Kurt Buzak. Great writer. I love that title. For more on uh, What If, there is a podcast out there, part of the, uh, oh, I'm going to mess this up. Sorry, guys. Uh, Part of the Pulp the Pixel podcast, I think it is. But don't quote me on that one. As I'm talking to you guys, I'm looking through my phone real quick, trying to verify that. I know, yeah, yeah, Pulp the Pixel. Uh, They're also doing the uh, Squadron Screen podcast. Okay. So it wasn't so far off. And moving on to what other books were out this month, Wolverine 24, I was buying that one. Wonder Woman 42 started out as a Billy book, but I eventually started buying it. Being written by George Perez, great writer, great artist, great all-around guy. Fantastic Four, Fantastic Four, where'd I go? Uh, X-Factor 54, being written by Louise Simonson. Again, this was a Billy book that I eventually started buying at some points. And X-Men Spotlight on the Jammers, number one. I remember this cover. I remember picking this up. Hmm. Don't remember much about it offhand, but I remember picking that up. And that's the last book I'm going to talk about uh, this segment. Again, as I said, the Billy book. Whenever I talk about Billy books, my friend Billy Tevenant, a.k.a. Bop, uh, we got in a conference around the same time. 
he bought some books I didn't buy, and I would read his copies. He would read mine that he didn't read. I had an addiction. Help me. Uh, <laughs> but I think that's going to do it uh, for this month. Again, we're almost at an hour. I got an, ep- an issue in. I got the Comic Comics Comic Rack. I think I'm doing pretty good. But enough about that. Be sure to join us for the rest of our shows on the Headcast Network. I've only talked about it briefly here and there, but I'm going to mention again. You can check out the uh, patreon.com slash headcast network. If you enjoy what you're hearing, throw a few bucks in the tin. It would help me out. Uh, But until next month, when I cover uh, issue 23 of Starman, that's going to do it. Until next month, Star Hunters, keep looking to the stars. for listening to another great episode of the Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour. Please join us next month for another great, fantastic episode as we cover another issue of the Will Payton Starman series and the Mark Shaw Manhunter series. Uh, Keep in mind that these podcasts are not affiliated or endorsed by DC Comics. I'm just a fanboy who loves these comics and wants to spread these love with everyone else out there and just talk about them. Um, again, you can email us at smah at headspeaks.com. Or you can go to our blog, which is at starman-manhunter.headspeaks.com. You can also go to the Facebook page at facebook.com slash starman-manhunter-adventure-hour. No spaces, all one word. But once again, thank you very much for joining us. Until next episode... This is Aaron Moss saying, see you in the funny pages.